Okay, uh, we, we stopped at uh, verse 13 last time, and, and, and the verse talks about uh, shutting our ears to the cries of the poor. Uh, this is chapter 21. It says, if we, if we shut our ears to the cries of the poor, there's coming a day when our cries uh, will not be heard either. And so there is a need, uh, the needs of the poor and the protection of their rights. Uh, we often forget the rights, but we, know, we need to remember the rights of the poor as well. It should be an ongoing work for us because it's always possible that we could find ourselves uh, in, in the same place someday. Now this thing making noise, I guess it's okay. Alright, uh, let's pick up at verse 14 of chapter 21, Proverbs. Okay, now, you know, we, we would have people uh, do some things that are wrong sometimes uh, or not acceptable. And uh, when we talk to them about it, one of their, their responses, but that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. Well, there are a lot of facts in the Bible that are not approved by the Bible. We know that, right? Now, there are a lot of things in the Bible that you see, that you read about, that we wouldn't even think about doing, right? Well, that's the way the Bible is. The Bible gives us a lot of facts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that is recorded in the Bible are approved. But we got some ignorant people out there who think that because it's in the Bible, is okay. And so, because there are a lot of things in the Bible, of facts recorded in the Bible that are not approved by the Bible, uh, as a result, it records how an angry person will be calmed down if they are given a gift by someone who offends them. Okay, doesn't necessarily say the Bible approves that. It says, the, the Bible says it happens. And in Proverbs, we see that a lot. Okay, and then also you have a person who is ranting and raving, and they'll be only the only way they'll be pacified if someone stick a dollar in their hand or a couple of dollars in their hand to keep them from making noise. Okay, because the the Bible records these things, it doesn't necessarily mean they are approved by the Bible, and so we need to make be mindful of that. You know, there are people who take the Bible and they twist the words around, and they twist the the, the emphasis around. Uh, someone quotes a passage that says, Let him that stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. Well, somebody twisted that around and says, Let him that steal, let him that stole steal no longer. Yeah. Let him labor working with his hands. So it's a matter of how people twist the scriptures around. They move an apostrophe from here and put it somewhere else. And they can make the scripture say whatever they want it to say. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's what the Bible says. And so we need to be cautious of that. And that's what this proverb it, it uh, attempts to remind us of that there are facts in the Bible that we don't necessarily need to take literally and do ourselves. And then verse 15. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Now, people who are wicked often are conscious and fearful of the law, right? Whenever somebody's not doing something right, they're always cautious about, they get nervous when the law shows up. But for the joy, for the, for the, for the justice, for the, those who are, who are just and those who are doing right, justice always brings joy. 
And um, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will illustrate this verse in full clarity. For the redeemed, it will be a day of ecstasy. A day that we've been long waiting for. A day that we've been anticipating for a long time. But for all others, it's going to be a day of extreme terror. It's going to be a day of reckoning. And uh, we see this uh, mindful, we are mindful of this in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 9, says, In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. Boy, you know, we've been looking for payback for a long time, eh? A lot of us are looking for payback. Uh, those persons who killed that, that, uh, that volunteer in Nigeria, they're looking for payback. The families of, the, the, the Christian families of those three women we mentioned this morning, who got killed by their own family members, they're looking for payback too. We have a lot of people who have done wrong to us that we are looking for payback. And so the Bible reminds us that when uh, there's coming a day when God's justice will give us payback. All those who are being persecuted will get payback. And then he says in verse 7, God will provide rest for all who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. We're all looking for rest, aren't we? We are longing for the day when those who are being persecuted will find rest. It says, He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get upset because people don't obey what the Word of God says. Don't worry about it. Day is coming when God is going to have the last laugh. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever, separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. And so we can take comfort in those words. The day is coming. Even though we are mindful that one day with the Lord is a, is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, we know that Jesus Christ... Now someone uh, mentioned the other day that the, um, the Vatican has just made an announcement that um, Jesus ain't coming no more. Anybody saw that? I read that. You read that, right? The main priest. Yeah, it's, it's a... They said Jesus has given up on us um, and uh, he can't be relied upon. He's not coming back anytime no more uh, because he, he's been promising for a long time and so he's probably given up on us because things are so bad now. He don't think he needs to come back. The Vatican is saying that. That's, that, was a, that was an official communication from the Vatican. Okay? So it tells you what, what, kind, of, what kind of cult uh, Catholicism is big time, big time um, cult, right? And, and you see, they went through this ritual the other day of making these fellow saints. Somebody needed to send them a memo. We all saints, okay? Nobody can make you a saint. God is the only one who can make you a saint. But you know, Randy, a lot of people criticize us when we criticize the Catholic faith, but that's what you should expect. That is a cult. It is a cult. And these people that say they're born again Christians, but they're still Catholic. But they tell me that, I say, well, how can you, the two don't jive? How can you be a born-again Christian and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, have the Holy Spirit living in you, and go to a priest to confess your sins? 
Or pray to Mary. And pray to Mary. Mary can't do nothing to you. Mary is just another human being. She was a good woman, but she can't do nothing to you. Exactly. You know, it's it's amazing. What is so amazing is, is you get intelligent people who actually believe, or supposed to be intelligent people, who actually believe that. You know, and they are devout. It's amazing. Okay, uh, verse uh, 16. Excuse me, where was that? That was 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9. No, it's Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Okay, verse 16. Do you think people believe that? Yes. You know, a lot of people don't believe that, you know. If people really believe that, you would have a lot of people doing a lot more, behaving much differently. So far, we've seen all kinds of people in Proverbs. Proverbs has given us a whole catalog of the different kinds of people that we've seen. Here we see a person who strays from common sense. It's considered a homeless person uh, in the desert of sin who ends up in the company of the dead. And there are a lot of people like that today. You read the newspapers, you listen to the newscasts, and when you look at and you hear what some of these people have done, that caused them to end up the way they did. The news, the other day, one fellow got killed for a dollar. One dollar. Okay? And then a couple of weeks ago, there was somebody who got killed for a plate of food. Okay? They were fighting over a plate of food and someone got killed. Fighting over a dollar and someone got killed. Okay? When you stray from common sense, the Bible says you're going to end up dead. And that's what's been happening. You know, anybody with common sense know that, you know, for a dollar, walk away. Common sense will tell you to walk away. Common sense will tell you, you know, there's going to be more plates of food. Okay? Don't worry about that one. Why lose your life over that? Okay? I wouldn't say they be sailors, but they can go, they know the boat from the sail. So... <laughs> more sailing than many different times that you have to use to survive. And of course, during our period of time, it was refreshment time. And over a bottle of water, over one bottle of water, I think it's about a 10 ounce or 12 yeah. ounce bottle of water, there was almost a conflict on that. What? Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> and by by the guy who was in the conflict, he stood up. And as he stood up, the man won't hit it. And you don't know what that means to say or hit him. Joe Lewis couldn't hit him as hard as that. <laughs> he was not blocking with him. Was he out? No, but he shot the water on him. Mm. So he, he was all right. But I'm getting that these people... They have absolutely no patience. They have no common sense. And I just, it, it just doesn't face me that it was useless for having them around. Mm. Absolutely. Well, as they say, common sense in common. Right, but what I'm saying is that these guys, they, they were talking about what school and they do high school and so forth and so on, and they graduate. But with what? 
graduated in what? Mm. Philosophy is talking about here. Common sense. Whenever you stray from it, whenever you lose it, when you, whenever you allow it to escape you, you're headed to the company of the dead. No fear of going before the end. That's right. If First, the whole thing ends up dead, man is not meaning the Bible. The word of God is the only thing to save us and believe it. But not only that. You see, there are a lot of people who knows what the Bible says. There are a lot of people in the country. You could, you could, you could run into the average person on the street, and they can quote a scripture to you. Okay, a lot of people know what the Bible teaches. They know what the Bible says. It's just that they don't obey it. A lot of them don't want to give up the wickedness they do it. Exactly. I talk to a man about his soul, but we're it, and he really wanted to. He said, you know, I, I got a couple of women. Maybe a little later on, in my he knew. He knew. You know, I run into a, sta- a drunken man staggering on the sidewalk. Stop me. You can smell the liquor from before you see him. All right? And he said to me, if you tell me what the scripture means when it says, if a man puts his head to the plow and turns back, he's not fit for the kingdom. That's scripture. He said, you tell me what that means and I'll, I'll get saved. You know? He knew scripture. Okay? He knew that much. You know, I said, you're too drunk for me to explain anything to you. If you could tell me that, if you could quote that scripture, then you know better. Okay? But we have a lot of people like that. They know what the Bible says. But they just refuse to do it. As the scripture continue to remind us. They know the truth, but they fail to do it. And then verse 17. Now this is right on the heels of the fellow you just talked about. Okay, he may not like wine, but he like women. Okay, notice what it says. Those who love pleasure will become poor. And those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Because whatever they got is going to be spent on that. Okay, so the pleasure of, of lavish living never gives satisfaction and fulfillment they promise. Okay, the person gets into that. And Solomon talks about that in, in Ecclesiastes. When he says, but you know, I wanted this and I wanted that and I, felt, I satisfied myself with this. I had all of this and I had all of that and no fulfillment came from it. Okay, so we know that this kind of stuff never brings the kind of fulfillment that it promises. All it do is it bankrupts a person and drain them of their financial resources in addition to reducing them to spiritual poverty. That's all it does. But not many people who have even experienced that have not even come to terms with it. Verse 18. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous, and the unfaithful for the upright. Okay, the wicked are going to be punished in place of the godly. And all the traitors in the place of the honest. In this verse, God says that he gave Egypt as a ransom for his people Israel. Cyrus was rewarded with the possession of Egypt and the neighboring kingdoms by the Lord for liberating the Jews. Notice, this uh, This is from uh, Isaiah chapter 43. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. And so God has given Egypt as a ransom for His people. 
And that's what this verse in Proverbs is alluding to. So this proverb, in a sense, means that for the upright can go free and the wicked are punished. And that's what, God's, that's what God orchestrates. God does that. No man can do that. Verse 19. It's better to live alone in the desert than to cross some complete life. Now, we had this voice before, right? Yes. <laughs> you said this voice before, right? Okay, so he repeats it. Now, why do people repeat themselves? Huh? Because it's important. It's important. Okay, they want to get a, a point across. And who better to know than Solomon? Okay? He should know. Yeah. How many wives did he have? How many wives did he have? Right. 300 wives. 700 sweethearts. <laughs> he was Mormon. <laughs> or he was practicing Mormon. Yeah. He practiced Mormonism. Okay, so so he should know, right? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, there was a man in Tubac. I guess it's Tubac, everybody knows what that is, between India and China. Mm -hmm. There was a man there who has 900 wives. Ooh, what? Yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if he had 900 wives, he probably got, he probably had 10,000 children. And to be quite honest with they said he had own the community, the whole community. It had to be with 900 wives. <laughs> he owned the whole town. Amen. So this 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 is another proverb. This is another proverb that uh, provides a, a kind of a, a, a stroke of what we might call holy humor. Uh, instead of being cooped up with a complaining quarrelsome right, the writer writes a preference to the uneasiness and remoteness of isolation in the desert. He said that would be that would be much favorable than living with this quarrelsome wife. And, and, and of course, Solomon is speaking from personal experience. Personal experience. He married those 300 women to keep peace. Remember now, his kingdom was the most peaceful of all the kings. And you know why? Because he married the enemy. He married the wives, the, the daughters of all the, the, the kings who would be enemies, who would go to war with him. And so obviously, if, if, if a man's daughter is your wife, you ain't going to go to war with that man. And so even though he was attributed to being the mo having the most peaceful kingdom, the reason why was because he married the daughters of all the kings who would be his enemies. <laughs> yeah. Remember now, he was... He was, a, he was the wisest man who ever lived, but he did a whole lot of foolish things. He did a lot of foolish things for being the wisest person who ever lived. Verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, for the foolish man devours all he has. Okay. Here we see the difference between the dwelling of the wise person where there is an abundant supply of food, good things, and the home of a foolish person where sin, squander, and reckless living, spending of all, of all resources 
and, and the scarceness of, of resources. Uh, the story is told of an alcoholic who used to sell his furniture and other household items in order to buy whiskey. After his conversion to Christ, someone asked him, Do you really believe that stuff about Jesus turning water into wine? He answered, I don't know about turning water into wine, but I know that in my house, I turned whiskey into furniture. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who do that sort of stuff today. You know, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools squander whatever they get. Verse, Randy, you, know, you said earlier uh, people like to quote the Bible. You know, I I'm very strong advocate against any kind of strong drink. I mm-hmm. believe it because I believe it damages you. And it's not good for you, not good for your testimony. But I'm, if, if I have friends that do it, I I still love them. They're my friends. Mm-hmm. But everyone I've ever talked to about it has thrown that verse at me. But Jesus turned one into wine. You know what I tell them? If Jesus turns everything I got into wine, I'll drink what Jesus turns into wine. But other stuff, the wine that Jesus turned was only one-sixth of the alcoholic content of the wine that people drink today. Mm-hmm. It was just like a strong grape juice. Yeah. It's been documented yeah. and proven by mm-hmm. people that translate mm-hmm. the Hebrew and the Greek and all the translations. Right. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. One-sixth. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It was like a pure grape juice. Yeah, there are a lot of people. I, I know a couple who who left the church because the wine they used for the the, the uh, for the remembrance was so strong. Mm-hmm. Whenever you drink, you used to hear the whole. Everybody's to be clear in that throat <coughs> because that stuff was so strong. And one, yeah, they still do. And uh, this couple, they left that church and they came to Calvary because the the husband used to be he used to be an alcoholic, and he said he can't he can't take communion at that church because that 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 would cause him to get back on the bottle. Right. All right, and they actually left that church and came to Calvary Bible Church. And, and there are a lot of people who are uh, in churches where they drink that stuff. And in fact, in that same church, I used to attend that church. And I went in the room where they used to keep all that stuff. They used to have the fermented wine and stuff. And, and I walked in there uh, one day and I met the, the, one of the deacons with the bottle of fermented wine. They said, you know, and he was one of those who prepared the emblems to serve. And when they finish, you know, they take everything up and they carry it back. And I just happened to walk in there. And that fella, before he got saved, I remember when he got saved. Man, he used to drink like a drunken sailor. Right? And and so I was so excited when the, when the fellow got saved. And I walk in the, in the room, and he was a deacon at this point. Okay? And he had this ball in his head. You know? And so, you know, we need to, we need to be mindful that uh, the temptation is always there. The temptation is always there. Stay away from it. Is what the implication is. Well, did you hear what the preacher preached last week? That he's a medical doctor. Did you hear him, Dr. Smith? Yes. He said, "Don't even ever touch it. Exactly. It'll 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 kill you." And there are many people who've lost their lives because they just couldn't give it up. Just like the young man he talked about. You know, the young man died because he refused to give up drinking. 19 years, old. 19 years old, congestive heart failure. Verse 22. A wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the stronghold in which they trust. Our daughter is 21. We missed 21, yeah. Verse 21. <laughs> Sorry, it's 21. Verse 21. <laughs> he who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. 
Now we can all say amen to that, right? Because we've experienced that. For us, that's a fact of life. The point here is that whoever pursues, whoever goes after it, don't just sit idly by and, and wait for it to come to you. He says, pursue. Go after it. Pursue righteousness and mercy actually gets more than what we bargain for. And isn't that like God? You get life and honor also as a reward. So you pursue righteousness and mercy, and God's going to throw in, He's going to throw in as a bonus, a life of honor. Only God could do that. Now verse 22. My eyes come to the city of the throne, and there the fortress in which they trust. Okay, and so a Christian who is wise has the ability to, to feed the strong and level the fortresses that they put all of their trust in. You know, people are today are putting their, their trust and their confidence in things, things that can fail them. And that's why you have people who are committing suicide today, people are losing their minds, they're going crazy because they put their, their trust in things rather than in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when those things go, so goes their mind, so goes their sanity, so goes their very life, because they can't live without them. And so they, some people end up committing suicide and, kill their, and, and taking their own lives. But with the weaponry and missiles that uh, primarily with... Notice, let me start it again. The Christian who, who is wise has the ability to defeat strong and level the fortresses they put defeat the strong people and level the fortresses that they put their trust in but not with weaponry and missiles but primarily with faith prayer and the word of God that is what we defeat the enemy with faith prayer and the word of God we don't need missiles we don't need weapons we don't need guns faith prayer and the word of God in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 4, we read these words. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. That's what the Word of God does for us when we use it, the way God intended for it to be used. Okay, God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Now, there are some people who can, who have human reasoning, and they could probably run circles around you if you go, if you follow them on their turf. Their turf is human reasoning, but you will run circles around them when you use the word of God. They can't stand up to us when we use the word of God, just like we can't stand up to them and they, if we were to resort to human reasoning. We'll never stand up. We use the word of God. And that's where uh, some Christians fail because they try to stand up against individuals with human reasoning rather than the word of God. And they are made to look like fools. If they had used the word of God, they would have made the reasoner, the, the human being, the person who they stand up against, made to look like fool. See, Brother Randy, I go back to what I said a couple weeks ago. If you argue with a fool, he'll beat you with experience. Exactly. Every time. Without fail. Okay. And in fact, the proverb says that. There's a proverb that says, don't answer fools. Because you'll be put on the same level. Only wisdom can achieve what armed power is incapable of doing in spiritual conflict. 
Only wisdom. And then verse 23. Why don't you not tell me to keep your mouth shut and you will stay on the trouble? Now you know many of how many people are in graveyards today because they didn't take this advice? Plenty. Anyone who is able to control his mouth or his tongue can save themselves from a whole heap of trouble. Okay, I had a neighbor who lost his life because he refused to keep his mouth shut. The guy... He answered the fellow, and, and the, the answer he gave was the fellow saw it as disrespect because that's, you have a whole lot of that today. And the fellow killed him, stabbed him to death. Verse, uh, there's a verse in James that talks about that. James chapter 3 says, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire and the tongue is a flame of fire it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set a whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself that's the tongue the same tongue that praises God curses those who created in the image of God so we need to be careful how we... See, the tongue is neutral. The tongue is neutral. We have to determine how we use it. Verse 24. The proud and arrogant man mocked in his name. He behaves with overweening pride. Okay. So if you ever meet a proud and haughty person, just call them by what their name stands for. Scoffer. That's the name. That's what the name stands for. And uh, the name stands for what a person is. For as his name is, so is he. And First Samuel, uh, remember the story of Nabal. And First Samuel twenty-five, verse twenty-five. It reads, "I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests." But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now this is uh, Nabal's wife speaking, mm -hmm. Abigail. Remember, um, uh, David and his men protected Nabal, Nabal's property uh, from invaders and and cattle uh, rustlers. And, and so David said, okay, he sent one of his men to to tell Nabal, send him, you know, what he owe him for protecting his property. And Nabal says, says David, I don't know him, who he is. And uh, and uh, so David said, told his men, said, come on, strap on your swords. We're going to go and teach him a lesson. His wife got the message first. And this was her response uh, uh, to them. He said, Nabal is wicked and in, an ill-tempered man. This is why he's speaking of her husband. Who would know him better? And uh, he, she said, he's a fool just as his name suggests. And so we need to be mindful of how we respond uh, when we find ourselves in predicaments in life. We can stop because time is gone. But I believe we get the message uh, that God intended for us to get today. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you for your blessings upon us today, for your word, for the enlightenment and illumination of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would enable us to take it to heart. 
and show us how to apply it when we find ourselves in situations where it is, it is warranted that we use it effectively as the weapons that you give us to use against the things and the people of the world. We ask your blessings now as we leave here. We pray for your blessed benediction. We pray for the service to follow. We pray for all those who will be participating. And we pray, Lord, that the mothers in our service today will indeed be uh, thoroughly blessed by the service that is intended to honor them today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.